Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. This is Chad. And I'm Charlotte. And today we're talking about the resurrected body, right? Yeah. So, one thing I wanted to say right off the bat, in previous episodes we've kind of pointed out that in the scriptures there's this development of the afterlife, the conception of the afterlife, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in the Old Testament, everybody goes to Sheol, and it develops from there so that by the time of Jesus and the disciples, there's heaven and hell. Uh, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, justice is connected with the land and the people. Mm -hmm, communal. Right. And sometime after the exile, um, they begin to develop this more robust conception where your experience in the afterlife is directly connected to how you live in this life. Mm -hmm. And hence, uh, heaven and hell and so on. One thing I did want to say is, although the Old Testament scriptures are, I won't say bereft of statements about heaven or hell or, well, not even that. I don't even want to say that. Even though there are very few passages in the Old Testament referring to uh, let's say it doesn't seem to be a main concern of the Hebrew Bible, the afterlife in general no, but there are statements that seem to point to the to resurrection sure. that's, there we that's go. what I'm getting. here we are yeah. so let me just touch on some of those because they are significant although again there's not very many it's going to seem like a lot though when you pile them together well, so and they're, they're so well known, I think. Yeah. So, the, the statement in Job, where he says, this is from Job 19, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. At last he shall stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Oh, oh no. That's <laughs> kind of kind of gruesome. Yeah, it is. And it gets, the other passages get worse. <laughs> Which ones? Ezekiel. Oh, the Ezekiel. You talking about the Valley of Dry Bones? Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ezekiel, Valley of Dry Bones. So that's when uh, God sa says, say to these bones, and they come together, and then... I'm just saying the mental image between that. So the, the Job passage, my skin is gone, yet in my flesh shall I see God. I mean, it's a frightful imagery. I mean, literally. Literally, yeah. Um, but it's also just a frightening thought to me that one's physical being so could somehow subsist within the presence, before the presence of God. Because no one's ever seen God and lived, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I take him to be saying, him or whoever, that, so he says, my skin, how does... How does it put? After my skin has been destroyed, which sounds like not only has he died, but decayed. Yeah. yeah. Yet, in his flesh, not that decayed flesh, but somehow resurrected flesh, I guess. I guess that's... Yeah, That's kind of the another. implication, I mm -hmm. think. But yeah, it's kind of a gruesome. And then the Valley of Dry Bones is another one. Um, Isaiah 26, Your dead shall live. Their corpses rise. The earth will give birth to those long dead. That sounds like resurrection. Mm -hmm. um, Isaiah 25, the chapter before that. 
death is swallowed up forever, tears wiped away, which we talked about in the Heaven podcast. Um, Daniel 12, many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, others to everlasting contempt. So there are some. Um, not many. And they're all, with the exception of Job, they're all post-exile, I, I would say. They're the prophets at any rate. <clears throat> so there, there are some, um, some statements in the Old Testament pointing to resurrection. By the time you get to the time of Jesus and the disciples, you know, there are various schools of thought in, in first century Judaism. You've got the Pharisees, right, who do believe in resurrection. And Paul counted among them. And, and Paul's, Paul's a, a Pharisee. Um, the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection, mm. and that's why they're sad, you see. Mm. <laughs> uh, and why is that? Well, because they only accepted the first five books of the, uh, uh, of the uh, Hebrew Scriptures. And in their minds, there's no statements in there referring to resurrection. Now, Jesus takes them to task on that point. Um, so, belief in the resurrection predates uh, Jesus and the disciples. Um, so maybe that's important to, to point out, that it isn't something that originates with Christianity. Mm -hmm. what, are you, what are your thoughts, Sean? I mean, you are dealing with the portions of the Hebrew Bible that get pulled into the Eastern Easter section of Handel's Messiah, right? So, I mean, what you're quoting many of us know is song lyrics there, yeah. right? Um, I was also listening, you know, while you were talking too, about, again, I can't stop thinking about the part of the witness around the crucifixion being the tombs coming open. and Oh, in Matthew. Yeah. And so as part of like an immediate fulfillment of some of those verses also, particularly I think that Daniel one that you read, but um, but that how that sign is connected to the so prophecies. So what's the sign? That when... That the dead, that, that, uh, that passage you read about the earth giving birth to... The long dead? Yeah. Yeah. That literally coming out of tombs at that moment. In Matthew's Gospel it says, when, was it when Jesus rose from the dead? No, oh. it's at the crucifixion. It's at the moment of Is that right? his death. A bunch of people start coming out of the graves. Yeah, and it's like a random aside that nobody follows up I know, on. you never hear about it again. <laughs> what happened to those people? Yeah, was it everyone else alarmed? And who witnessed that? And could I know a whole lot more about that? Because yeah. you... Kind of burying the lead there, my, my dude. Because um, nothing's really interesting to go on or hear about Jesus for another three days. So how about that? Yeah. Okay. Part of our task today is to kind of try to think about what this could possibly mean. The resurrected body? The resurrected body. <clears throat> so, and I think a good starting place for this is obviously this material that you brought up showing us that there's evidence of belief in this within the Old Testament texts. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a stream that we're settled into that Jesus that Paul are familiar with and playing within. 
I think it's really useful to then look at Jesus's own resurrection yeah. body because there should be uh, some anticipation of at least some correlation between right. what our bodies will be like and what his was witnessed to being like. And so what do we have with Jesus? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, so people have trouble recognizing him. Right. right. So Mary doesn't immediately recognize him at the tomb, thinks he's some gardener, is a little upset with him. Right. Um, <clears throat> the disciples on the road to Emmaus right. don't recognize him. In both cases, though, those folks do recognize him or he's revealed through activities that they're very familiar with. Either him calling Mary's name mm -hmm. or breaking, praying and breaking bread. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're immediately, it was like, you know, their eyes were open, something right. like that, but can see who he is. So there's something where he's in some kind of tween place between recognizable and not. Yeah. Then we've also got his post-resurrection um, other appearances before the disciples. So he can just appear in rooms or yeah. walk through walls, maybe, something like that. And disappear. And disappear. Um, he eats. He eats. He eats so much fish <laughs> between the resurrection and the ascension. I don't know that we've ever seen him eat. We, I mean, we have obviously all these stories about him being at table. Uh -huh. but then we end up with a real meal or a description of the meals post-resurrection. Yeah. The man loved fish. I think the takeaway is the resurrected body survives on fish. Oh, no. Who <laughs> <laughs> so don't like fish? Kidding. I, I'm just kidding. But also in this idea of recognizing, you know, we have this story with Thomas, right? And Where he puts his fingers in Jesus' side. And, yeah, yeah, so we have this perfected, in some way, body that can uh, moves in ways that we don't understand that are outside of our laws of physics and yet are still bearing the wounds of the crucifixion. Yeah. And as another identifying factor. Right. It's like, look, you know this is me. Well, let's go back to the fish eating. The whole reason he wants to eat fish is so they'll know he's not a ghost. Right, because ghosts don't eat fish. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but it's a body. I mean, that's right, the point. Right, right, yeah. It's also, maybe it's more than just eating, though, too, because that's a way of participating in fellowship, in society, of kind of normalizing his own body, too. So, I mean, it's not just a physical act of eating mm -hmm. fish. It's that we're eating fish together. Yeah. Like, I'm maybe changed or resurrected, but I'm still part of this. Our community has not changed yeah. in some other specific ways. I guess, here's the thing. We eat, because if we don't eat, our bodies are going to shut down. Mm -hmm. Presumably, Jesus doesn't have to eat. So yeah. that's kind of what you're getting at, I guess. Maybe. Or he just really loves fish. <laughs> But I think it's a more of a way of being with his people, isn't it? I mean, because those stories around him eating fish, you know, he's on the beach, they're fishing. Right, he's cooking breakfast, which is, again, fish. Yeah. And but it's around being with <clears throat> them, it's not... Yeah. 
Yeah, and in that culture, that's really the communal thing to do is to eat together. So, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So he's, do we say he has a physical body? Is that what we want to say? His resurrected body is a physical body? It can do physical things. I mean, it can eat fish. It can one be of touched, them. yeah. It can break bread. Yeah. It can walk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody, there's no like, oh no, why is this ghost around me on the road to Emmaus? I mean, people, and yeah. Mary Magdalene isn't like, what's that? She thinks he's a gardener. So, I mean, they seem to be recognizing him as and a physical she being. She grabs him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't touch me. Don't cling to me. Um, so there's that. Thomas puts his hand in his side. Which is weird. Yeah, I just don't think you need to be. <laughs> I, know, I, just, I see it, Jesus. I don't need to stick my hand in there. But anyway. So it's a physical body, but presumably not corruptible. Right. It has. It definitely has different characteristics than our physical bodies. Right. I have <clears throat> never successfully walked through a wall. But you tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown out of that. It just, I've given up. So, I mean... Maybe we can talk a little bit about what Paul says. You know, he refers to it as a spiritual body. Mm -hmm. But I think what he, because what he'll say are things like the perishable puts on imperishable or mm -hmm. the mortal puts on the immortal. So I don't, I don't know necessarily that he's so much contrasting spiritual with physical as he is, you know, um, mortal with immortal. Or yeah. I think he's he's grasping at language or struggling with language the same right. way that we might be right now. But uh, yeah, so I don't I don't think the spiritual and physical are conflicting there. I think he wants to say it's just so beyond our experience that it's something else. That if it is incorruptible, then there is a real way in which it's outside of this world because everything in this world is corruptible. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, for me to think of a physical body that doesn't get sick, doesn't... Just by the nature of physicality, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just something I guess we can't grasp, and yet we do have these accounts of Jesus being touched. You know, 1 John, for instance, makes a point to say, we saw him, we touched him, you know, mm -hmm. in order to say, he wasn't just an appearance, but it was, he was a real physical, um, of course, that's not necessarily post-resurrection he's referring to there, I don't know, I guess what I want to, my tendency is to want to say it's not physical, it's spiritual, but all I'm really saying is, it's not corruptible, right, because as we talked about in previous podcasts, the idea of a disembodied spirit really doesn't make sense. No, but it's bound some way. Somehow, then. yeah. So I don't know. Okay, so I think one and this is really important and kind of touching back again on you know, there's so much Greek influence in Christianity and I'm not opposed to that. Some people freak out because they want some kind of pure religion which is not possible. No, it's the, I mean it is the culture in which Christianity was birthed and developed, so why shouldn't it have something? Yeah. I'm not opposed to that either. What is, what is that? Why but, would it? It's not in a vacuum. It was. No. It's a 
Christ was incarnate in a specific time and, time place. and place. And this is God's world. I'm assuming God intended for it to be that time and place for reasons. But all that to say, there might be some influences that are not so great. Sure. And the one in particular that comes through Greek philosophy, particular Platonism, Middle Platonism, and ultimately Neoplatonism, is that matter of any kind is evil. Right. And I think one thing Christianity should affirm, whether it has or not is, is another question, is the goodness of the created order and matter itself. Right. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about a resurrected body, you're immediately saying matter is not evil, you know? Yeah. 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 That's worth saving. That's worth redeeming. Right. Of course, you know, why did they think matter was evil? Because it's what, it's the conditions under which we get sick and die and suffer and so on. Sure. I feel very trapped in my body when I'm sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm way about trying to escape that in becoming <laughs> a disembodied spirit or disembodied mm-hmm. mind when my body is in the way of the things that I want to do, right. which it very often is. Yeah. I mean, even the fact that it needs things like food, food and water. To- survive right? yeah and sleep and whatever and i can't just keep going at things so but yes this is a very body positive body affirming matter affirming faith because it's also not just saying a body or a matter is good mm-hmm. it's saying your body right and your matter is good and even christ's wounded body mm-hmm is good that's so fascinating to me that we don't see him resurrected as healed from the crucifixion but still carrying those wounds as identifying markers that and that that's what thomas wants to see because that's the guy he knows but that he's literally bearing on his body the impression of his greatest act of love for us. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which is also counter to this verbiage around the idea that people who are differently abled are perfected in heaven and that that includes for them, yeah, being able to run and walk or, um, you know, the withered limb is healed mm-hmm. and this and that. Um, but that those people are telling us not all of them, but many of them are saying this this is just part of who I am. This isn't something that needs to be corrected. That's your bias you know, about what you think a perfected body is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we carry too much of that cultural baggage into the conversation then. That Jesus' body is perfected even with his, his wounds, wounds yeah. is what is considered, you know, the pinnacle of a resurrected body is just really extraordinary. That is extraordinary, yeah. And should be affirming to each of us in some way, too, that what we carry around, because it's not, again, it's the story of what he did as as a physical identifier, right? Like many of our scars are stories of who we are, for better or worse. Mm Mm-hmm. And who we've been. And that there may be ways in which those are perfected and healed, but also not lost. 
That we are still who we were slash are mm -hmm. in that new reality. Yeah. That's fascinating. I tend to think, and of course, you know, this is purely speculative, but that our best selves, is that it? Not, I, I, don't, I, I don't tend to think our resurrected bodies are we're going to look just like we do now for some reason. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, Jesus didn't in some ways either, right? Yeah. But we'll be recognizable perhaps by our best qualities, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think that ties back into maybe some of my understanding of what the beatific vision is, or at least how some of the early church people did with being able to see God through other people, mm -hmm. which I can't now. I mean, maybe on our best days. Yeah. But there isn't some kind of physical signifier of God working through you or through your life that I can witness in some way. And there will be, I guess, in the world to come. Like seeing Jesus' wounds is a literal way of seeing how God's the divine love. works through him. Through him, yeah, yeah. I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, we'll be able to see the image in each other, I guess. In ways we don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Sometimes you don't always see the divine image in other people. Didn't I just hear you say that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> I will stand by that comment, my friend. <laughs> All right. So what have we learned today about the resurrection body? <laughs> Look, I'll tell you a mystery. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, it really is a mystery. It's kind of... No, but I mean, Paul Paul also uses that language of like there being the seed of it is already inside us in some way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and gets planted and becomes something else. But so it's both different and somehow recognizable, yeah. right? It's both not what we are, but identifiable as who we were. Um and it's not just a resurrected body, it's a whole new creation, earth. Right. Earth. Yeah. That's redeemed and changed as well. Yeah. Animals too. Are, are the fruits going to be better? It's going to be good fruit. Am I going to like squash? <laughs> Do you not like squash? Ugh, what a waste of a vegetable. What? <laughs> <laughs> On the next episode of The Heavenly Banquet, Charlotte discusses yellow squash and zucchini. Stop planning it, everyone, and stop bringing it to my house. <laughs> I love Anyway. No one loves it. It doesn't taste like anything. It only tastes like the butter and salt and pepper or whatever you put on it. It is just watery slime. Oh, that's a Zucchini maybe is a little more tasteless. We have not had a theological disagreement in like how many months of doing this and yet for disagreement. Here we are right now, our first heated battle of the century. Well, Chad's wrong. Disregard everything he's previously said, his judgment is off. <laughs> <laughs>